So there were five women who came that first year and they were all having experiences with these other beings. And in each case, the beings were different from each other's experiences and what the beings did with them. I always have the person really take a look at the one being or the more beings that there are more and, and describe them. So if you've been paying attention, you know the global economy is transforming. The BRICS nations want to see the end of the dollar reserve currency, and many countries are joining their effort. The Western banking system is the most fragile it's been since 2008. The highly respected Weiss Research Group accurately provided advance warning on which banks are going to fail with 99.3% accuracy after the 2008 crisis. They are now predicting that a whopping 4,243 banks are vulnerable to failure, and 1,210 of those banks face imminent failure. When this situation comes to pass, it will dwarf the 2008 banking crisis. The only asset that has historically weathered a storm this severe has been precious metals. It has never been a better time to buy gold and silver to protect your family. Contact Miles Franklin at info at milesfranklin.com. Tell them Sarah sent me and you will get the best service and the best prices on gold and silver in the country. That is a guarantee from them to me. Remember, info at milesfranklin.com. Tell them Sarah sent me. Do this now to protect your assets and the ones you love. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have a really fun guest today. Her name is Barbara Lamb. With all the UFO talk in Congress, they're doing actually some serious interviews and taking it pretty seriously. I don't trust it. And I, I you, how can you trust what the government does, right? It's always politically challenged. They always look at everything from a political prism. And so you you have to take it for what it is, but the, it's actually the congressional testimony was really interesting. And so it's, everybody's wondering, and she, her body of work is phenomenal. She has done all these regressions and thousands and thousands of regressions on people who she she did it first you know she's a licensed therapist and she did it first to help people and to deal with trauma and things and then she stumbled into these people who've had alien encounters and you know she didn't mean to do it it just happened through her work that she ended and then people got word got around that she was doing that next thing you know she had she's gonna tell a story she had seven of them or five of them i think in a year and then it kept growing and now that's all she's doing she's written books on it just very interesting so if this is something that you're interested in you will be interested in her she says that when she's done these regressions they she's people have talked about 50 60 70 different types of species that people run into from different dimensions and different planets and all these other things and we talk about how do you know that you know something is real and how do you know that what they're saying is real and then how you know she's and then she talks about hybrid and and reproductive programs and how do you know that's real it's just I, this is to introduce you to a topic. If you're already familiar with it, you'll be fascinated about it anyways. But for those of you who aren't, it's something to introduce you to, whether you believe it or not. It's it's really fascinating coming from somebody who's really serious about it and has been doing it. She probably has the largest body of work in this area, period. And that's why I wanted to talk to her because I heard her talk at a conference 
uh, many years back about all these different species and all her experiences with these regressions and what people are telling her. And so I wanted her to share that with you. And then you can make up your own mind on what the heck is all this stuff. But and I know many of you will go down huge rabbit holes looking at everything she does and hearing what she is talking about. And I, I recommend you doing that so that you can learn from yourself, make up your own dis mind on what is true and not true. But you can find her work at barbaralamregressions.com. I'll have the link below. She also has written five books. You can get those on her website. She is staying after for my Substack members. And she's going to talk about one of the most interesting regressions she's ever did, which is on the hybrid reproduction program. And then she dives into it more about what she's learned in that area. So if this is interesting to you, go there and you'll be able to see more of that. And I hope you uh, keep an open mind and I hope you're willing to just hear something different because I, I don't know. I mean, so many, this is what I told her is that so many intelligent, sincere people talk about this stuff. If you haven't had this experience personally, it's it's like, well, God, how can this be real? But then you listen to just intelligent, sincere, reasonable people talk about this and are, you know, and most of them are embarrassed to even, they don't want anybody to know. You know, if if you weren't real or legit, you would be out there making stuff. But these people are, don't, they're ashamed of it. They 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 need the therapy because they're in, they need to feel okay that they had these experiences because they feel like they're whack jobs. And and so when you hear that, you're like, well, that's not normal from somebody who's just making it up. So I don't know what the truth is, but I do know that, like I said, there's intelligent, normal um, people who are reasonable who are talking about these experiences. And she also talks about this hybrid program, which you can see in the Substack that um, for my members, but she talks about the fact that these, she's did a book on hybrid. She interviewed many of them to do this book and she has a co-author with it. She talks about it, but many or all of them have physical uh, biological differences as well that are shown in their medical reports. And so she's going to talk about that as well. How do they all have these interesting anomalies, like, you know, thumbs that have different uh, characteristics and all. she's going to talk about that. But so I recommend you go to her and learn more about her if you're interested, barbaralamregressions.com. And for those of you who are liking the work that I do, please go to sarahwestall.com, sign up for my newsletter. You will get updates on all the articles I read, write and post, or you can go to sarahwestall.substack.com and sign up for that newsletter. It's There's an overlap, but they're, they're distinct and different. So if you like my work, you can sign up for both of those. And again, there'll be an extra segment with her at sarahwestall.substack.com for my members. You can also sign up for a seven-day trial. And I tell everybody, if you cannot afford doing a membership, you know, I just get, I give a free membership for people, especially those who are retired, living on a pension or you're on disability, or there's some reason why you can't afford it. Just let me know. I give you free memberships. I, I do that. The only thing I ask in exchange is that if you like something that I'm doing, please share it because you will be my army of people sharing the work that is censored. And since I just mentioned censorship, the censored conference that is now free, it's up on United for Free Speech 
Rumble.com and on Rumble and on BitChute and on Odyssey. It's all over the place. And if you just look for United for Free Speech, you will find the latest. It's Act 3, amazing lineup of speakers that we had. And I really highly recommend you go watch that as well. It's all free. Hopefully you can share that as well. These are conversations that we need to be having in our country. These are the Basically, the most important issues of our time are censored. And so the goal of this is to get those issues out there, get people talking. We can't solve problems when you're censoring. And they're censoring for reasons because they want to control the narrative from a money standpoint, from a power standpoint. We got to put an end to that by having these conversations. You can't make decisions when you only know a little bit. You need to know a bigger area. You need to know more about an issue if you're going to make decisions that are good for you your family, for the country, or wherever you're living. It's important that you know more about issues, even if it's uncomfortable. Even if you disagree with them, it's important that you get a fuller picture of these issues. World War III, I mean, that you need to know what's going on and what you can do to help stop that. Okay, let's get into this really interesting interview with Barbara Lamb. We have the great Barbara Lamb coming to the program. I've been wanting to interview you for years after I saw a show that you did. So thank you so much for coming to the program. You're welcome. I'm happy to be here. You you are uh, one of the original, I shouldn't say original. I mean, this the UFO and the phenomena of aliens and all that stuff has been going on for millennia, right? But you were, before it became very popular on the internet, you were a researcher and dedicated. I almost think the quality of people before the internet got popular were better, is what I'm trying to say. And you're one of them. Because you were so back. (laughs) Yeah, you were serious. You, you you know, you're a, you're just a serious researcher. Um, Can you talk a little bit about what you do and what your background is? And then I want to get into what Congress is doing, because I bet you have a ton of opinions on that. Okay. Well, um, first and foremost, and everlastingly, I'm a psychotherapist. I was licensed as a therapist way back in 1976, and have been doing that work. And um, eventually, after a few years of doing regular counseling psychotherapy with people, I, I began to be trained in past life regression therapy. Uh, so that that opened up the whole field of regression work to me. Had training for five years, and um, right, that was from about 1984 uh, through 1989. And then, um, well, during those years, I was mostly doing past life regressions, which of course were very interesting and very therapeutically helpful for the people I did those with. And then it sort of began to morph, <laughs> as things sometimes do, without our intending it. Um, it sort of morphed into people starting to find me, knowing that I did regression therapy work. Uh, people were finding me uh, to help them to explore their extraterrestrial encounters. Or in many cases, in those early years, starting in 1991, um, sometimes people had just had very uh, confusing things happen to them. They didn't know what it was, like a series of things when they would wake up in the night and they would feel a presence 
in the room. And sometimes they would see other beings in the room who were not human beings, or they'd see a big light coming in the window or a big light outside the window. <clears throat> and then particularly when they realized that there were other beings in the room, uh, you know, they, they didn't know what to make of that. Usually they were quite frightened. And sometimes they remembered enough of the experience uh, that they remembered being floated up out of their beds and across the room and through the wall and out into space and into some sort of craft way up there in the sky. And so people didn't have any context for that uh, in those early years, in the early 1990s, uh, when they came to me. But what we found out when we do a regression to one of those incidents is that, yes, indeed, they had been taken by extraterrestrial beings. And um, even in that first year, 1991, for some reason, there were five different people who somehow, I still am amazed about this, somehow found me. I wasn't advertising anywhere that I was doing regression work. But anyway, people just got to know about that. And um, so there were five women who came that first year. And they were all having experiences with these other beings. And in each case, the beings were different from each other's experiences. And what the beings did with them was different. So I began to realize, whoa, there's a lot going on here that we haven't known about, or at least I didn't know about. And... Um, you know, I'm I'm open to anybody else coming if they want to. And about that time, too, 1991 and then 1992, people started asking me to give lectures about this subject uh, to their group. There were various MUFON groups, MUFON, well, UFO network groups, and I was in Southern California. And there were two or three of those groups around, and uh, they're always happy to have a speaker come. Uh, somehow they heard about me and the work I was doing, and I started speaking at those groups. And at the end of those lectures, I would just very briefly say, you know, I'm open to doing that work with people if anybody's interested. And sure enough, there'd always be somebody coming from one of those groups. They would call later or uh, get in touch with me one way or the other. And um, so it started building up, you know, more and more people were coming. And by 1994, after only three years of doing this work, I realized that there were 17 different period from, you know, fairly close to where I was within an hour of where I was in Southern California and that they were coming for sessions. And once they had one regression to one of those extraterrestrial experiences, very often they wanted to know more. And so they would come, you know, for another session and another. And by 1994, I realized that I had 17 people who didn't know each other or even know of each other, uh, but 17 people who were having these extraterrestrial encounters. 
And a couple of them would say during their sessions with me, is there anybody else that's having this sort of thing happen that I could meet and talk to? And after the second and then the third person asked for that, I, I thought, you know what? I have these 17 people who were all having extraterrestrial encounters. Maybe I could get them together in a group and they can meet each other and talk to each other if they wish to participate in that. So I contacted each one. And, oh, yes, they were really thrilled about the thought of meeting other people who are having these unusual experiences. So I did get together a group. I hosted it in my home. That was in 1994. And that group continued right up through all the years through nine or 2017 when I moved from that home in California to uh, another location to San Diego, California, where I am now. And then that group disbanded because I moved away. But in the meantime, during all of those years, I had more and more and more people coming. And also, I realized that these groups for people who experienced extraterrestrial contact, the groups were really, really appreciated by them and seemed to be enormously helpful. They they had maybe previously felt, oh, maybe I'm kind of crazy or something really wrong with me, although they realized after doing work with me that that they were perfectly normal people who were just having very unusual things happen to them. But anyway, I realized that I was already going to and speaking out a number of the UFO conferences starting in the early 1990s. And I thought, you know, people, a lot of people who come to these conferences are having these experiences with extraterrestrial beings. And my support group at home is so welcomed by the people. Maybe we should have a, a group like that at a UFO conference. So with the International UFO Congress, which was the biggest one at that time, maybe still is, I'm, I'm not sure. But anyway, um, I, I convinced the conveners of the International UFO Congress uh, to have an experiencer group. Finally, they said, well, yes, okay, we'll agree to do that if you will conduct that group. So I did. I did that uh, experiencer group at that conference for many years, uh, well up into the 2000s. And then other UFO conferences began to hear about this, and they too uh, began holding experiencer support groups. And so that continues even now. Uh, for instance, recently there was the very large contact in the desert in Southern California, and they, for a number of years now, have been having experiencer support groups. So it's still something that's very appreciated by those who experience those kinds of encounters. And usually in those groups, 
the big ones at the conferences. There may be other people who attend the group who have not been having these encounters, but they're sincerely, extremely interested in the fact that these things are happening. And they want to be uh, sympathetic about it, and they want to learn about this. So we, it's been sort of an educational outreach, too, uh, to have these discussion groups. And people can share or not. If they, yeah, uh, people in these groups can, can share about their own experiences if they want to. Usually they want to, but they also don't have to. Uh, some people just grow, go, oh, I, I don't want to say anything, but they want to learn from other people and feel not alone in having these unusual things happen. So that means a lot to people. I've sometimes had women out and out cry in the groups. And, and when I talk to them, I realize that they're crying because they're just so grateful, so relieved that there's a whole big group of people who seem perfectly normal and perfectly intelligent who are talking about the experiences that they have had with these other beings. And that is such a relief for some of these women that that they really just sit there and cry. I can Sometimes imagine. But because thank you, thank you. I'm not alone. I'm not. I'm not crazy. You know that's of course important to realize. Do you think, based on all your experiences, is this pretty widespread, or is it pretty unique in what you've seen? Well, it's very widespread in the sense that it happens all over the world, and we, of course, are more aware of the encounters that happen in the United States, because that's where we are, and that's where we meet with people. Uh, but yes, it, it is reported all over the world. So not only are UFO sightings happening all over the world, but these encounters are happening. Back in about 1992 or 1993, at one of the international UFO congresses, uh, there was a man visiting from China. He was in the China UFO organization, which, believe it or not, was actually sponsored by the Chinese government at that time. I don't know whether that group is existing now in China, but it certainly was in the 1990s. And the government actually printed up information of flyers and pamphlets about uh, the UFO phenomenon. So apparently they really wanted their population to know about this, which of course is very different than we have experienced in our country, where our government has not only not given us information about this phenomenon, but has held that material very, very private. Yeah, they and have. People... I had a, a uh, John um, D'Souza. He came on my program, who was really what the X-Files was based on. 
and he's an FBI profiler. He has been studying this phenomena for a while. He says they're not from outer space, that they're but they're from another dimension. He says they're very real, but it's from another dimension. But a lot of well, people have different opinions than him who have had a lot of experience as well. And do you have a different opinion from him than that? Or are they from both areas, the other dimensions uh, and from outer? I think they're from both. I think they're from uh, physical planets. They're physical beings coming in physical crafts from physical planets. And there are some that seem to come from another dimension of reality. So that means that when the physical ones come, the person tends to be taken physically in their whole body, although they can, even by the physical beings, they can be taken what we say, what we call astrally. In other words, in their uh, spirit body, which is not dense and physical. And then when the other dimensional beings come, uh, they seem to take the person in the astral body, leaving the physical body right at home or wherever the experience began. So we have that. It's it's a mixture. Yeah. So I don't think it's just one sure. or the other. Well, and, and some people say that there's... Um... People come from other dimensions. People people come from out, you know, out in other worlds, and then people come from other worlds from other dimensions. <laughs> it's like right, all of the yes. above. Well, you know, I'd like to uh, mention that some people, uh, in fact, an amazing amount of people, I've been finding out, um, have visits from deceased loved ones. Uh, that happened to me. 1968, and then subsequently when other family members of mine died. Uh, anyway, many people have visits from people whom they have known and loved and who have died. And so, in other words, those visiting people are coming from another dimension. You know, after we die, we're not in a physical dimension. We're in another dimension. And they are other dimensional beings, the soul, which continues. Uh, so people might be able to relate to that a little bit more. Or people who see what they call ghosts or shadow people or shadow beings, uh, those are coming from another dimension. Uh, so I think that when people really stop and think about it, they realize, oh, yeah, we do have something to do with other dimensions. And so maybe these kinds of contacts can happen from other dimensions as well. We also know from people's out-of-body experiences that we can and do sometimes leave our bodies and go out, travel around, visit other people, go way out in space. I've had a couple, well, a number, several of those experiences myself, just leaving my body and being out there. How did you have and that? Was that more like remote viewing kind of experiences or you just did? Well, the first time it happened to me 
was way back in 1968. 68 was quite a year for me because my my favorite aunt visited me from the spirit realm and stayed sitting in my living room looking fully technicolor and looking fully physical. Like you could see her like, and, and you didn't think you were going, you were like, what the heck am I looking at? I mean, did you feel her presence and everything? Oh yeah. Well, I had been um, alone in the living room reading a magazine late one evening. My husband was away. My children were off in another part of the house in bed, just a nice quiet time. And um, I suddenly kind of felt a presence. I felt like somebody was there. And yet I knew that, you know, I had the doors locked and there couldn't be anybody there. But anyway, I kept feeling that. And then I looked up from the magazine I was reading and there, a few feet ahead of me, sitting in an easy chair, was my favorite aunt who had died two and a half years earlier than that. And I had never heard of this sort of thing before then. So I was completely shocked. And did you, did you think you were, did you think that you it was a mental projection or what did you think at that point? I mean, well, were you kind of just, what the heck am I experiencing? Well, I did think, what the heck am I, I experiencing? <laughs> and I blinked my eyes and I, I looked and I kept looking and I, I looked at all of her, her face, her hair, that kind of glasses that she had worn, silver rim glasses and her expression, her her favorite pin, a, a blue wool dress that had been a favorite of hers, and everything about the ring on her finger, uh, which had diamonds and a sapphire. And I mean, detail by detail, even the kind of shoes that she wore it was all there. I was noticing all these details. And she was just sitting there looking at me with a pleasant expression, not saying anything. I didn't see any lips moving or I didn't hear anything. She was just there as she used to do. She used to just sit in an easy chair with her arms on the arms of the chair. And I just sit there comfortably while waiting for something. That's just how it was. And anyway, I, I was just totally baffled. On the one hand, I was happy to see her because I loved her. And it must mean that we continue after death, although I had not known that before, that incident. So it was nice in that way. But still, there was all the confusion and what is going on. How long you did know, she stay there? Was it a long a period? A few minutes, I th I would say five or six or seven minutes. Did you try to talk to her? No, I was just so stunned. I didn't I didn't do anything except stare at her. And she was just quietly, very pleasantly, almost a smile, um, looking at me, probably understanding that I would be really amazed and not understand this experience. So it was a very, very powerful experience and a very nice experience. And then finally, I realized that my heart was beating so fast that maybe I'd have a heart attack. 
and um, I, I had no heart problems at that that time, and I didn't feel any pain, but I realized my heart was beating incredibly fast, and so I thought, gee, maybe I better just sort of end this, so I put my magazine aside and sort of changed my position, wiggled around a little bit, shook my head, and then when I looked over at the chair, I didn't see her anymore. Now, she might have still been there, but I didn't see her anymore. And then I must have sat there for at least an hour by myself, just thinking about this and going over and over it in my mind and all the details that I saw about her and her clothing and her jewelry and everything and realized that I really saw that. I really, I really did see that. I don't understand. So anyway, it was such an amazing experience that I didn't even mention it to anybody for four years until one day I happened to notice in my local newspaper while I was eating breakfast that there was going to be a seminar that afternoon. And it was only about four blocks away from my home. And the seminar was called The Naturalness of the Supernatural. And it was going to be a meeting led by two women whom I had already heard of and had a good opinion about. And they were going to be discussing unusual things that that people had experienced that they might be wondering about. So that was perfect. I went to that seminar and I was the first one to raise my hand and tell about the experience of my aunt visiting four years earlier. And um, and the teachers of that seminar said, oh, of course, that is completely natural that our loved ones from the spirit realm find various ways to visit us. And sometimes when they visit us, we are aware of them. Many times our loved ones in the spirit realm visit us and we're not aware of it. But once in a while, we are. So that was a big relief. And that opened up that whole field of reality about other dimensions and about people living in other dimensions. And then it was years later, I realized that beings whom we call extraterrestrials live in other dimensions too, some of them and some of them in our physical dimension. Well, let me ask you, when you first started interviewing some of the experiencers, because you went through your own experience that you just explained to us, you were probably much more open to accept what they were going through. Uh, but yeah. the average person hasn't gone, it's like what you experienced, you thought, oh my God, am I crazy? All these other things. So the average person who's never gone through any of this um, and seen it, they're probably like, what the heck is this? But they're very interested, right? I mean, right. I haven't gone through it, but wow, there's a really uh, sincere and intellectual smart people who are serious who really believe <laughs> this and they've documented and everything else so it really makes you think well, well there must be something more here because this is and, and it kind of makes sense and all. 
So when you started hearing some things about these extraterrestrials, what was going through your mind and their mind on the reality of this? And, and how did you, you know, cause the regression, how, how do you know through your process that the regression is something that works and it's, it, it shares some experiences that you can use as truth. Well, yes, that's a, a great question. Uh, because I started uh, doing the past life regressions in 1984, by the time that 1991 came and people came who had experienced these unusual encounters in this life, um, I'd had a lot of experience in regressing people to the past lives, or sometimes to some incident they wanted to know more about that had happened earlier in this life. And so I had developed several years, you see, of confidence that the work was very, very helpful for the people that I did it with. And that was why I did it, because I wanted it to be helpful. And it certainly seemed to be from the feedback of the people I did regressions with. So when people started coming for the uh, weird encounters that they had had, I thought, well, I'm I'm very experienced now in doing regression work. Why can't I just use the same techniques uh, to go back to one of these experiences that the person is wondering about? Doesn't have to be a past life. It could be something that happened in this life. And right from the very beginning of doing that work, it turned out to be so extremely helpful for that person to really know the details of what was going on and to realize uh, that with that first person that, that she was surviving, going on with her life, with each regression, we did six regressions with that first person, first young woman who came. Uh, with each regression, she felt more at ease because she she knew what had happened during the experience. And in two of those encounters she had had, she was actually physically healed by these usual beings. So she was very grateful for that. And, and that put a new look on it, that even though they looked very different than anything that she had ever seen before, and even though she was terrorized, traumatized by waking up some nights and seeing these odd beings in the room, or even during the daytime, sometimes they would come. And, uh, oh, she was, was really having a dip, bit terribly difficult time. But, but the more we did the regressions, the more she realized, oh, okay, they're really weird and different, but they've, they've been helping me in various ways. Why do you and think they just, picked her, though? Why do they pick these people? Well, we always wonder about that. Um, we have been told by some of the beings that they choose people in a particular genetic line. In other words, they will follow a certain genetic line from generation to generation. 
so that people who let's let's say a person your age is having experiences it's very possible that one of your parents had been having these encounters and maybe even one of their parents in other words your grandparents and then if you have children it's quite likely that at least one maybe more of your children have had these encounters also. So in other words, those particular beings are following your family genetic line with at least one person in each generation. So many, many people I know um, who are having these encounters, I say, what, what about your parents? Do you think either one of your parents had anything like this happen? And they'll say, well, nobody actually mentioned it. But on the other hand, my mother used to say some strange things I didn't understand. Um, like maybe she'd say, well, on some nights, the boogeyman comes into my room. Or sometimes I've just seemed to be losing time for a while. I, I don't know why that is. Every once in a while, I sort of black out, which means actually when we look into it, that the person was taken by the extraterrestrials for an hour or two and returned usually to the same place they were taken from. And they suddenly come back into consciousness and realize, oh, it's an hour or two later than it should be. What happened to that time? That's a very common thing uh, for people who experience extraterrestrials is that they have what we call missing time for an hour or hour and a half or two hours, typically. Yeah, so, so maybe somebody else in a person's family has mentioned Oh, some sort of peculiar thing that happened. They don't don't know what it is. And um, very often they don't know that they're being visited by these other beings. Or sometimes they do and they just don't want to talk about it. They don't want to think about it. And so the younger person, like somebody your age, uh, would like to know more about the family, you know, has anybody else had these experiences? And usually if other people will be honest about it, yes, they have. And yet may, they may have kept this very secret and, and private all of their lives because they didn't know that anybody else knew anything about this. That's why it's so good, so healthy, I think, that that the news about this is coming out more and more like you and I talking about this right now. I think that that's, that's helpful because there are a lot of people out there who've had these experiences and, and don't know what they are, don't know what to make of it. And, and they really often wonder about themselves. What's the matter with me? Why do I keep remembering that odd incident? When I don't even understand it, I don't know what it was. Well, let me ask you. I, I, have, I have a couple. Of re I want to get into the really cool stuff, um, but I got to get this <laughs> one out of the way. 
um, some people who've done regressions or stuff felt like there's probably a different skill sets. I want to I want you to talk to this because some people who've gone to a place and they feel like well, I just felt like I was just laying there talking to the person and I wasn't actually regressed at all. And then others say that, yeah, I was completely hypnotized and in a different state. Why is it that some people feel like it's like, well, I didn't even, if some people just can't be hypnotized or is it the, the, the person doing it isn't very good and, or people have different experience. What is that about? Both all of the above. Yes. I think it, um, first of all, uh, the person who comes for the regression for the hypnosis really needs to feel open about it. I really want to know. And sometimes people who come to me um, have approached me maybe three years ago and um, they wanted a regression at that time, but I, I just was too full. My schedule was too full. I couldn't take them in. In fact, I couldn't even answer their email. And But by the time I finally do, and they do come, uh, person after person in that situation will say, you know what, I, I wanted the regression in 2021, but now here we are 2023, and I'm here with you for the regression. And it turns out that this is the more appropriate time for me to have that regression. I've had that happen so many times when people will say, well, I thought I wanted one earlier, but now I'm more ready. So the readiness is important. In other words, not just sort of a casual curiosity, but when a person is feeling, I I really, I really want to know what's been happening to me along these lines. It's very peculiar and um, I, it's, it's time for me to know. So that's one thing. Another thing is that the uh, person doing the regression, conducting the regression, uh, well, those of us have different abilities and different skills. I think some of us are just able to uh, help the person to get into that state of deep relaxation. And that's what hypnosis is, really, a state of deep relaxation. Is it like when you're like in a half, like when, when you're waking up and you're kind of in like that sleep mode where you come up with all these ideas and all that? Is it like that? Yes, it is. Good for you for even knowing that. That's what we call the alpha state of brainwave activity. So you and I right now, and, and anybody listening to this, uh, we're probably in the beta state of brainwave activity. And that means that we're alert, we're conscious, we're awake, we're rational, we're thinking and functioning. But then when we're just going to sleep at night and when we're just waking up, that sort of in-between state, that's the alpha state of brainwave activity. And that is something we're all, of course, extremely familiar with because we experience it every night and every morning. And that state of brainwave activity, consciousness, 
um, is perfectly fine for hypnosis and doing a regression. So you can relate also to the fact that when you're driving a car and you're very busy thinking, or maybe you're in a conversation with somebody there, or maybe you're listening to something on the radio and you're you're driving, but you're really paying more attention to whatever that other involvement is. And you may go right past the road that you were going to turn on or the exit you were going to get off of the freeway. And you suddenly realize, oh, I was so lost in thought that I went right past where I was supposed to go. And uh, I think most of us have had that experience at some time or other, or maybe even many times. Anyway, that's the alpha state as well. And so that state is great. We, it's familiar to all of us, and we all can get into that state with a little guidance from the person. Is it that those of us who haven't experienced it or tried to and haven't gotten there, you just never got out of the alpha stage and maybe you don't trust the you don't ha, you don't have that trust factor or whatever so uh, you just stay in that that um you can't get into that phase well that's right i mean the person does have to have confidence in the person who's guiding the regression and helping them to get into that state now we can also get into a deeper state than the alpha state uh, that's called the theta state. And that's really, really relaxing. We can also get into an even deeper state, the delta state. Is that but where most delta, of it happens? No, because in in the regressions, the person needs to be able to speak out loud okay. and articulate what they're aware of on the inside, what's going on in the experience that they regress to. So in the Delta state, it's it's just too difficult to speak. And that means that the therapist re, uh, guiding the regression has no clue about what's going on. Okay, <laughs> okay. No so they went too far. They went to sleep or something. Yeah. So too deep. Too yeah. deep. Okay, I have seen you talk about, this is where it really gets cool. I, where you've talked about the different types of species that people have count, encountered and that there's like over 50. I don't know, you've counted all the different species. H how many have you encountered and are they all good? Some good, some bad? I mean, what is it that you've encountered? Well, 